are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to Hump Day. It's Locked On Dolphins, September 30th, and I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. And we're coming in hot today because I just got done checking the tape. I'm on Twitter at Grinding the Tape, the host of Locked On Dolphins, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire. NFL Draft Analyst for TheDraftNetwork.com at Grinding the Tape on Twitter, and I decided to live up to the moniker a little bit uh, because I went through, not only am I undergoing charting every single snap that the Dolphins take offensively this year, which has been a very enjoyable project thus far through three games, uh, seeing kind of the evolution and as the team is building new concepts on top of uh, what was a pretty basic and vanilla game plan that we saw the team implement against uh, the Patriots. I checked the defensive tape in weeks two and three over the past 24 hours as well because I really wanted to get a gauge for what went differently other than just personnel. Because Gardner Minshew, you know, he came into this game, Jacksonville, last Thursday, and he'd been playing really good football. And the Jacksonville offense, they obviously they were missing DJ Chark, their number one receiver. It had an impact in the football game, but it, it DJ Chark wasn't going to help you pass protect or run block better than what the Dolphins, they, they had so much success up front. And today's show, I really want to focus in and dial in on the defensive side of the football. And then tomorrow, I'm going to talk about some of the trends that I've seen through charting the coach's tape for the Dolphins from a down and distance, personnel Uh, touches per player and targets per player perspective, areas of the field. Uh, I'm charting all these things in addition to diagramming the play so I could see the play concepts in addition to identifying who's being put in what spots. So that will be tomorrow. But today we're going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, But first, we do need to acknowledge the news out this morning. Brian Flores told the South Florida media this morning during his press availability, Tua Tungvaloa will not be a practice today. And please calm down. It's an illness. It's non-COVID related. Wouldn't expect this to be a long-term issue for the Dolphins. And thankfully, because of uh, the strong second-half performance of Ryan Fitzpatrick against Buffalo and a very strong passing performance in Week 3 against Jacksonville, the pressure's off a little bit. The Dolphins won a game. We kind of avoided that proverbial tipping point of like, well, shit, we're 0-3. Like, what's the point? We might as well move on. At the end of the day... Tua has an illness. He won't be a practice. Until we are told that it's a big thing, I wouldn't no sweat off our backs, as far as I'm concerned. I wouldn't stress too hard about it, guys. Um, but defensively, let, let, let's get right into what I want to talk about today, because there's a number of player performances and individual players that, you know, having seen how they've trended through the first three weeks of the season in the month of September, it's important for us to kind of talk about and, and take a look at these guys and put them under the microscope because of what expectations were about these players versus what reality has been for these players, and so on and so forth. I'd like to start with linebacker Jerome Baker. Uh, Jerome was one of the incumbents off of last year's defensive unit that obviously did not have a lot of incumbents. So as a natural holdover, Dolphins fans, we know him a little bit better. But I think we're starting to get to know Jerome in a new sense in that how he's being asked to be used is a little bit more friendly to what his strengths and weaknesses are instead of just asking to use him wherever the team needs him to be. 
if that makes sense. Uh, last year's linebacker core was much less athletic, much less versatile. And Jerome, as a result, he's he's put in a lot of positions where, like, ideally you probably wouldn't put him in such high traffic spots. Uh, but the Dolphins' defense has done an, an excellent job, especially the last two weeks, uh, of putting Jerome Baker in a position to have success. Of course, he had the 16-game or 16 tackle game against New England in week one, and that really moved the needle for everybody as far as that's a number that shows up in the stat sheet. So, of course, that's going to grab your attention. Wow, Jerome Baker's tied for the, or Jerome Baker is the NFL lead for tackles after week one. But you watched him in coverage, uh, and he got lost against Ryan Izzo in the deep over route. And he was also a little undisciplined in that football game. Well, I think what we've seen from Jerome Baker, especially week three against Jacksonville, Jacksonville might have been Jerome's most complete performance. And of course, it, of course, it's a little bit different when it's not the New England Patriots with Cam Newton and one of the best offensive lines in football. But I'm watching Jerome Baker play play-side reps as a stacked linebacker, and he's working gap exchange with Emmanuel Ogba. You can see this clip on Twitter, um, at Grinding the Tape. I shared about 10 defensive film clips from last night watching the game. And he's working gap exchange, and he's playing outside in, and he's taking on a pulling guard in A.J. Can, who's probably got 90 pounds on him. And Jerome does a really nice job of dropping his hips, using his hands, extending, showcasing some upper body power, and he doesn't get railroaded. He holds his ground, and he kind of helps set an edge along with uh, the defensive line that's scraping and flowing with the play to turn the run back inside. That was a really nice play from Jerome, and Jerome had some opportunities to stand up on the line of scrimmage. They had, uh, a Jacksonville had a rep in which they tried to run quick to the boundary, and Jerome kind of worked in exchange with, they were in a nasty split, which means that end man on the line of scrimmage is like five yards outside the offensive tackle, and he's the only receiver that's out there. And it was great awareness from Jerome to manually walk outside of the guy playing coverage, because he's playing outside in, and get leverage on this play so that when offensive tackle Jawan Taylor for Jacksonville pulls and opens to get out in space for this run, Baker is in position, and then Noah Igbenogany can shoot the gap, challenge the ball carrier, and then Jerome shows good contact balance after taking on Jawan Taylor, a very athletic offensive tackle in space, to help rally to the football and help finish the play. And then Shaq Lawson comes crashing down the line, and they finish the play for no gain. Those, those kinds of plays dealing with contact, but dealing with contact out in space really jumped off the screen at me for Jerome in a really good way. He's taken on offensive linemen with his hands. He's not getting run over. Now, of course, if you run downhill directly at him, he has less opportunity to anchor. But that comes back to the Dolphins defense doing a great job of putting him in a position to be successful by letting him play out in space more instead of saying, well, we just don't have bodies. So, Jerome, you're going to have to go stack in the eight gap. That's good defense. Really encouraged by seeing that from Jerome Baker and kind of his evolving play over the first three weeks of the season. Now more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. 
Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our communities because they know where you shop matters. Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. Transitioning from Jerome Baker. There's another linebacker that I think is, is, I feel like he's polarizing. He seems like he's polarizing. Just kind of reading Dolphins fans' opinions of this player. Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy signed this big contract to come to Miami from New England. He's one of the leaders of the defense. The defense obviously struggled the first two weeks of the season. But you watch Kyle Van Noy play, and it's really easy to use Kyle Van Noy as a pinata for you know the, the struggles in week one in the run defense and 211 yards and so on and so forth. Like, I get it. I get it. But on the run that Cam Newton popped for 15 yards on one of the early runs of the game that really got momentum going, and Kyle's late to flash down inside, Kyle, that's not Kyle's primary responsibility to play. And I know Kyle said as much. <laughs> I think he said something along the lines of, uh, everybody's an expert now, but I was just executing my assignment. And um, that's what makes these quarterback option zone read concepts very difficult, right? Is you have to have guys in different segments of the defense executing a different primary responsibility. You got the dive back. I got the quarterback. You got the pitch back. You got got the bubble, whatever. When you put zone reads and RPOs and and you're stressing that M-man on the line of scrimmage or you're stressing that linebacker out on the hash, like that's, it's difficult. And if it's done right, it's hard to stop. And the Patriots did it right. And it was really hard to stop for Miami. So, Kyle Van Noy against Jacksonville in week three. Force. And absolutely, if he was attempted to be blocked by a tight end or a running back, he took it personal. And he beat the tar out of those dudes. Number 34 on the A-gap pass rush that Kyle comes looping inside on, and he flat backs it. And it was the play that, like, probably should have been intercepted. It wasn't. Uh, But they were going from right to left on the screen. And Kyle comes crashing through this A-gap, and he, he flat backs the running back, and he jumps up at the air, and Garner lets this lollipop go down the field. And it was probably like 15 yards short. And you really wish you would have seen somebody get their head back around and find it sooner. And and that's been something for Miami secondary as a whole. There was another throw in this game that Garner Minshew let drop into triple coverage. And it it looked like quarters coverage for Miami on that play. And Bobby is running up the Bobby McCain's running up the seam for this ball, but he's face guarding receiver stride for stride. And if he would have got his head around probably two steps earlier, he could have readjusted his route. And then the, the, the other quarter safety on the other side of the field 
is trying to get there because he's just straight tracking the ball and that ball falls harmlessly, but it was around three defenders and a receiver. We'll get to pass coverage here. A little bit. I'm putting the car before the horse. Um, but yeah, Kyle was really impressive as far as even when he's end man on line of scrimmage to the play side. So he's playing Sam and he's head up over top of the tight end. And the tight end steps out to block him. And Kyle steps down and he collapses this edge so far down that the tight end ends up on his ass in the B gap. So A gap is between center and guard. B gap is between guard and tackle. C gap is outside of tackle. And D gap would be outside of tight end. So he starts in the D gap. And he takes another grown man, a blocking tight end, against his will. And he pushes him down two gaps, flat backs it. Just completely collapses the edge. There's nothing to do. That's the kind of play we need from Kyle Van Noy. Interior stunt pressures. Shallow zone drops. Sam linebacker. It was excellent. And the emergence of Andrew Van Ginkle, by the way, as a pass rusher, is going to be really helpful for making sure that Kyle Van Noy is not tasked too frequently with rushing outside against offensive tackles. Van Ginkle's got some burst. Van Ginkle was always a project coming out of Wisconsin. Obviously, the Dolphins drafted him in the fifth round of the 2019 draft. Van Ginkle was a JUCO transfer into Wisconsin, played two years at Wisconsin before getting drafted in the fifth round. He posted like really good athletic numbers for edge defenders, but he was a little tiny, and he didn't really know how to use his hands. Well, now you're starting to see, like, he had some reps against Jacksonville where he had his hand in the dirt, and he's dipping that inside shoulder, and he's trying to speed rush off the outside, and, like, he's got the pop to get there. That's what makes it exciting. His hand usage, you know, Brian Flores, the coaching staff, said he got stronger this offseason. Now we got to add a little bit more polish and consistency with strike counters to make sure our body stays clean so we can get through that gap clear. But he looks he looks good. He looks dynamic. And I think his emergence is going to help Kyle Van Noy ensure that he gets moved around, but he gets moved around in the right positions. It's the same thing as Bobby. If the Dolphins don't have anybody to rush off the outside, well, Kyle, you got to go stand up and rush out the, off the outside because you're an outside linebacker even though Kyle Van Noy doesn't have great length. So offensive tackles in a one-on-one pass rush scenario from outside in aren't going to be too stressed with him. He had so much success in New England because they played these tackle end or end backer or backer tackle kind of switch the, the games, the twists, the stunts. Miami started to do some more of that against Jacksonville. And I think some of that comes back to what Coach Marion Hobby said on Tuesday at yesterday's press availability. He talked about these guys on the line, they're starting to get comfortable rushing with one another. They're starting to get a feel for how each other sees the game. And that's part of this process for Miami of kind of coming into their own and understanding how their teammates are going to see it so that there's not more missed assignments. Interesting uh, perspective. I believe it was Tony Pauline. Um, said the teams are kind of viewing the first month of the season as your proverbial training camp slash uh, preseason. Of course, the games still count. 
But from a team top-down perspective, there's a little bit more understanding that the first couple games of the season are going to be a little bit more hairy than what you would typically be used to. I like that perspective. I like that angle. I definitely think it, it helps to keep things in the right frame of mind. Who else stood out to me? Zach Seiler. We got to talk about Zach Seiler. Um, this is a nice find for Miami. He's got some really nice reps, both run and pass defense against Jacksonville. Uh, Seiler against Cam Robinson, a left tackle. Uh, hit a kind of chop, swim, combo off the left side, turned the corner. Gardner Minshew got the ball out, but Siler was in his face. And for a guy who's Siler's size, to have that kind of mobility to win a, a, off the outside and bend the outside edge against a tackle like Cam Robinson, who's not a great offensive tackle at this point in his career, but he's Plenty big, he's plenty powerful, he's plenty long. It was impressive, really stood out. And then perhaps the best overall team effort that I saw from the Dolphins on a run fit. There were positive components for Kyle Van Noy, Jerome Baker, and Zach Seiler all in the same play. Kyle Van Noy is walked up outside and he's probably got plus three yards of leverage, and he's tilted to the weak side of the set. The tight end is on the other side of the line of scrimmage, on the far side of the line of scrimmage, but he's off the ball. That's a tell that you hear NFL players talk about. When a tight end's off the ball, it typically means he's going to come back behind the line of scrimmage and insert on the back side or front side, depending on where the play goes, of the play slash the run. So Kyle Van Noy sees the tight end off, and he sees him kind of leaning, so he understands he's coming his way. And Kyle Van Noy has a guard, the left guard pulls in front of the tight end that's looking to insert across the set, so it becomes effectively a counter-slash-lead power concept where the left guard is pulling from left to right, and he's looking to kick the end man in the line of scrimmage out. That's Van Noy. The tight end is looking to loop up behind him, pick up the linebacker that's going to be scraping over top of the defensive line. And then if everything hits right, offensive tackle blocks down, opposing guard kicks end man in the line of scrimmage out, tight end gets lead up through the hole. You've got a lead blocker coming up under the second level with a full head of steam. Well, Kyle Van Noy sees this coming. And he steps down and he really reduces the space so it's not a big gaping gap before he challenges the guard head on. And he takes him uh, out inside shoulder so that he's still got outside contain. Really nice disciplined play. Jerome Baker on the same play sees the other offensive guard, the right guard, climb up to the second level to try to latch on to him and prevent him from scraping over into the hole and follow the pulling guard into the hole. And Jerome, again, uses his hands. He gets low. He anchors well. He kind of punches, stuns, and then slides off away from that guard and works over top to get clean. And Zach Seiler from the backside of the play is lined up in the B-gap. So he's between the guard that ends up pulling, and he's between the offensive tackle. 
When that guard pulls, Siler's initial step is to the left tackle, to his right, but he immediately redirects and comes back down inside, and he follows the pulling guard down the line of scrimmage. And all three of these guys converge on the ball carrier in the hole. And it was just a perfect example of like, yes, this is how run fits work. Everybody's got a gap. And a general rule of thumb for any defensive lineman is if the lineman in front of you pulls, follow him. Don't get up the field. Just go down the line of scrimmage and follow him. He's going to take you to the ball. Siler's got some nice reps, guys. I would not be surprised if against Seattle, a team that has big offensive linemen, likes to play physical and likes to run the football, we don't see an eagle front for Miami, which would be Wilkins, Siler, and either God Chow or Raekwon Davis, another guy who had a really nice game against Jacksonville, effectively head up or covering the three interior offensive linemen. And then you'll have Emmanuel Agba, another guy who had a really nice game, and Shaq Lawson as your outside players. You can put their hand in the dirt if you want. I'd probably put uh, Agba's hand in the dirt and Lawson's hand, I would, uh, I would have him stand up in a two-point release. So that way you kind of get a 4-3 under look that has Lawson on the line of scrimmage, and then you stack Jerome Baker and Kyle Van Noy behind that really congested front look. And then both of those guys can play switch releases and gap exchanges on the outside, you're going to go big on big inside, so if something triggers downhill, you've got bodies in between the B-gaps. B-gap to B-gap is going to be accounted for. Raekwon Davis was awesome as a two-gapper, guys. So even if you want to take Raekwon Davis and you want to play him as a true two-gap nose and you want to go with a traditional, more of a traditional 3-4 and you want to put Siler and Christian Wilkins in four-eye alignments, which is inside eye of the offensive tackles. So you're not head up on the three interior guys. You want to do it that way. Okay, then you're going to have Lawson on the front side end. You'll have Van Ginkle on the back side end. And again, you could stack Baker and Van Noy off the, off the ball. And in pressure situations, you know, that now Van Noy is in a position where he can play that stunt game. Kind of twist inside. It's exciting to see kind of some of the, a lot of the things that we talked about when the Dolphins started acquiring these players Jacksonville was the first game like I really saw it. We did go double A gap pressures with press man. And you know what we did? We did what the Patriots did in the two-minute drill that Ryan Fitzpatrick threw the interception just before half one. We started dropping guys off, little shallow zone drops. You got Camus Gruger Hill and Jerome Baker stood up in both A gaps. And we got seven men on the line of scrimmage. And both of those guys drop out into kind of that hook region looking for any kind of hot throw because you get slants, you get inside leverage. As a receiver, you're going to break your route inside. And if you bring more than they could block, somebody's going to be throwing hot. And typically those slants, that's going to where they're throwing hot. So you're looking for those linebackers to buzz underneath that. Gardner Minshew didn't throw any of them. Russell Wilson probably won't next week either. But Jimmy G, whoever the hell's playing for the Broncos, a rookie in Justin Herbert, those are the next three games after Seattle. 
You might be able to trap those guys. Get some turnovers off your linebackers. A lot of positivity in the front set. I thought Igbo in the secondary played a nice game. Xavier Howard obviously had the pick. He started a little rough. Uh, looked like he was guessing on an early rep. And then uh, obviously we had the, the knee-slash-hamstring scare for him. Uh, he said he was cramped a little bit. He was working with the trainers on Monday. Um, I wouldn't anticipate he'll be unavailable to Miami, so that's good. Byron Jones we're still playing wait and see with. Obviously the extra rest will help him. Last thing I want to end with is Bobby McCain. Bobby got a lot of praise yesterday from the Dolphins' defensive coaching staff talking about his communication, his leadership, his energy. Uh, And he hasn't really been targeted all that often. But I'm still waiting for, like, the light to come on for Bobby. He's, um, one of the things that the Dolphins' coaching staff really applauded him for was being the quarterback of the secondary. Brian Flores said that after the game. Um, as far as the safety group is really bears the load for this Dolphins defense. And Coach Alexander kind of said the same thing about Bobby as far as communicating to the other guys on the field and, and being energetic and, and being a spark plug for his teammates. And Bobby's a high-energy dude. But I dare you to go back and watch the first play against Jacksonville when they ran the little dump off. And watch Bobby try and tackle in the open field. We already mentioned the deep shot into triple coverage in what looked like quarters. Where Bobby and the corner are both dropping with the vertical because the ball's in the air early. But Bobby's face guarding the receiver, understandably so, because he's going stride for stride. But he doesn't get his head around and he missed an opportunity to get a pick. And I understand Bobby, you know, he's, he's played safety for less than 16 games at the NFL level. But for this defense to really win and put these corner athletes in one-on-ones and trust that you're going to have an eraser on the back end, you got to have a guy who can make some plays. Bobby's going to have plenty of opportunities to do that. But that would be the one area as I walk away from the Jacksonville game, it's like, yeah, I just don't know if our answer is here. Obviously, Bobby's also one of the older players on the team. Not that he's an old player. He's one of the more expensive players on the team. Uh, Another player that I do have some concerns with as well, uh, based off of the the recent film study that I did, was Elandon Roberts. Roberts was, again, same opening play on the dump off. Roberts and Bobby both badly missed uh, tackle attempts in the open field. Elandon has not looked confident with his reads. They ran a little dart action for a handoff inside. It was one of the plays that I actually already talked about as far as the run fits for everybody else. And Elandon is over top of the, the defensive line. He's the only linebacker that's really like firmly in the picture. And this running back comes across the quarterback's face through the mesh point, takes the ball with him, and Gardner goes to cock his arm the other way. But it wasn't like Elandon was reading. It almost looked like Elandon was looking to jump down in case they ran Zoe Reed and Gardner kept the ball. 
So I'm not quite sure what he saw in that play, but it it really stood out as far as, wow, like he doesn't know what's going on here, at least on this play. So he was he was late to a couple of, of tackle scrums and jumped on the pile, and he almost got a flag thrown on him one time. So it's just something to watch for Elan. And like, let's, let's be mindful of that one. Obviously, he's a very versatile player. He's a good athlete. But he couldn't latch on with New England. New England didn't really fight to keep him. He had his best, most productive season when Brian Flores was there. Brian obviously likes him. Uh, but, but we'll need to monitor and see how much more comfortable the Dolphins can really get him in a stack position role if that's going to be a full-time role. Because if it's not, then it's going to have to be Kamru Gruger Hill. Those are your options this year. Because obviously Raekwon's not there, and Raekwon had his own limitations. <laughs> and as I said on yesterday's show, uh, the Raiders ended up giving up 250 yards rushing with Raekwon on the roster. So he's a very small piece of the puzzle that the Dolphins lost. Would you like to have that guy? Yes, of course. I think the Dolphins will probably be very much be in the market for more of a stud three down inside slash Mike Linebacker before it's all said and done. But that's enough for today. As I said, tomorrow's defensive notes from All-22. So hit subscribe on the podcast, please. If you enjoy what you listen to, would love to engage with you. I'm on Twitter at GrindingTheTape. If you'd like to engage in next week's Power to the Pod, please either tweet me, hashtag Power to the Pod with your question, or you can leave a five-star review on the show, and I will definitely make sure I get the five-star reviews with questions. I love hearing from all of you guys, even the constructive criticism. I genuinely enjoy hearing from each and every one of you. I love that there are so many passionate Dolphins fans that I could share this platform with, and I hope you'll keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.